When Jesus was in front of Pilate, then the whole company of soldiers stripped him, put a scarlet robe on him, twisted together a a crown of thorns, and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and knelt in front of him and mocked him, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they led him away to crucify him. From noon till three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. It was then that the cross which should have been the symbol of death, became the symbol of life. Jesus said he would rise again. That cross on that dark and final day became the wonderful cross that opened the way to eternal day. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, did ever such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all.
On this weekend, when we remember the death and resurrection of Jesus, what we are really remembering is the fact that an empty man, uh, an innocent man, I'm sorry, an innocent man um, takes the blame for the things that we've done, the things that we will do, and the things that we currently do. Now, that skit was the best analogy that we could give. I mean, how many of us have ever told a white lie? How many of us have ever intentionally lied? How many of us have ever been hostile towards someone? How many of us have ever coveted what other people have? How many of us have ever wished that God had given us more? You see, it's not the fact that we sin that's the problem. It's when we try to make up for all of the sins that we have committed. The skit and the scene that we saw earlier today is a simple representation of the scripture where it says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish an eternal death, but would live with Christ forever. 
Now, for those of us who are Christian, when we talk about Jesus on the cross, we understand that on that cross, we are forgiven. It is the cosmic forgiveness of everyone's sin for all time and always. But for some of you who are our guests who maybe aren't a part of this Christian narrative, you know, we, we will often say, well, I try to be a good person. But the truth is, is, is Jesus is good enough for all of us. And all of the scriptures tell us and all what God wants for us is to trust that Jesus has done it all. Now, we don't get to decide how the story is told. But what we find in the scripture is that each one of us has sinned. We are born into a world of sin and each one of us sins. And so in many ways, it's kind of unfair that the Bible says that everyone who sins deserves to, to kind of die. For those of you who are guests this morning, you're like, that makes absolutely no sense. It wasn't my fault. And at times it doesn't make sense to me as the pastor where it's like, I, Jesus, I never had a choice as to whether I could be born into this world. And so it's unfair that I'm born into this world and now I am, I am destined to death because I sin. It's okay if you feel that way. But the truth is, is that you didn't ask to be born into this world. But Jesus doesn't ask whether he should lay his life down for you either. Although we are born into this world of sin, Jesus provides the way for us out. And it's free. And it's for each and every one of you. We began this message with the idea that something's amiss, that something just isn't right. And that thing that just isn't right is the fact that we live in a in a fallen and in a sinful world where things aren't the way they're supposed to. They aren't the way God wanted them to be. There is pain, there is suffering, there is destruction, there is war, there are natural um, calamities. There is all of these things that we wish wouldn't happen, but yet Jesus, even in the midst of that, has promises for us today. Because Jesus has solved the problem of this eternal death. Jesus has solved the problem of you having to be perfect all of the time. God doesn't need you to be perfect because Jesus is perfect for you. And so it is this same Jesus that says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This isn't talking about the kind of food we get at Taco Bell or Subway This isn't talking about the kinds of drinks that we buy at a soda fountain or Gatorade or Powerade. This is on God's cosmic level. God knows that there is within us a yearning for meaning and for fulfillment. God knows that within us, programmed into us, is the desire to live at the height of our potential. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger And whoever believes in me will never thirst. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. Jesus says, if you come to me, I will lead you to the heights of the ability that you have in this world. I will give you not just salvation. Salvation is given to us at the cross. Salvation is extended to each one of us. But Jesus says, it's not enough for me to just assure you that in eternity you will spend a lifetime with me. But for Jesus, it is in this world today, in your marriages, in your work, in your relationships, in your finances, in your church, in every aspect of of your life, I want to be a part of that. The name 
that God gives Jesus in the New Testament is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, if God is with us, then God by his very nature cannot be without us. If God is with us, then God doesn't live somewhere far away, far beyond all of the galaxies and all the universe and only looks in on us. But rather, if God is with us, then God is with you when you wake up, when you sleep, when you're at work, when you're watching television, when you're with your friends. He also happens to be with us when we're at church. But it's not enough for God to just spend a couple of hours once a week with us. God is with you always, and he is continually promising that he will give you all that you need. And then Jesus says this, which, by the way, for us as Christians, like we read this and we're like, oh, yeah, Jesus is the resurrection. But in the first century, when Jesus would have said this, people wouldn't they would have been like, what? When Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he or she live. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus' invitation to you is today. Jesus is inviting you into this kind of life, the kind of life that things are still going to go bad in your life. Like, that's a given. You can't. You know, we can't change that things are going to go bad. But what Jesus promises and what Jesus gives us, it's an invitation to be a part of his world now. It's to be a part of what we call the kingdom of heaven that is alive and it is thriving and it is humming here in this place now. Jesus is calling you to give yourself to him, to trust him, to lead you every step of your life. But I have to give you this one caveat. When Jesus invites you to trust him, he wants all of you to trust him. Every little last bit of you, he wants you to trust him. You don't get to experience the fullness of Christ's promises if you're one foot in and one foot out. Like any relationship you're in, if you're just one foot in and one foot out because you don't want to get hurt or you're not sure what's going to happen, you never experience the fullness that that relationship can can be. And it is the same exact way with Christ. You don't get to experience the fullness of Christ's love and grace and power in your life if it's only one step in and one step out. He is asking you to trust him, to believe in him, to hope in him. Jesus is inviting you this morning to open your heart to God and God will take care of the rest.